Today's episode is being brought to you by LashBase. LashBase is an award-winning lash company that offers the best products and training. We are huge fans of LashBase, as well as Jamie, who runs their marketing. You probably know him on Instagram as LashBase underscore Jamie. You should follow him. They are offering you a discount today for listening to our podcast. All you need to do to get 20% off your whole order is enter LashCast20 in the discount code field when you check out. That's LashCast20, our podcast name, plus the number two zero. Just go to their website at lashbase.co.uk and can see all their amazing products and training. You also can just type in LashBase on Google and they'll pop up right at the top. So don't wait. When you're done listening to this podcast, go check them out and get your 20% off your whole order today. Now let's get started with the show. Hi, this is Kimber Janes, and I am the founder of Borboletta Beauty in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at Kimber Janes. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the LashCast Podcast, and here is your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today we have Levi Shepard from Nala coming in to do an interview with us. We had a blast getting to know her, and we learned a lot of things that we really didn't know or understand about Nala. But before we get into that, I want to give you a few announcements because we have a truckload of stuff coming up, and we want to get you guys on board and let you be part of it. First off, IBS, or the International Beauty Show, not the other thing you're all thinking, June 15th through 17th is coming up in less than two months. This is the biggest beauty show in the country. It partners with IECSC. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. And we are going to be there again this year with a booth. But this year we're partnering up with Tara Walsh from The Last Premier and Shelby Tarleton from Last Boss Radio. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be there for all three days. We're going to be recording podcasts, doing interviews, Q&As, just hanging out, having fun, getting to know you guys. So please plan to be there or if you're not planning to be there, change your plans and let's get you there. It is awesome. It's a great chance to network. And there's also a lot of fun events outside of it. Barbalette has a great party. And guess what? We too are going to be having a Sunday night party on June 16th. Now, I can't tell you anything more. It's a secret location and it's not going to be easy to get into. But once we announce the details on social media, just be paying attention to Shelby or Tara or our social media and you'll get details very soon online on what you need to do so you can get that ticket to the secret party that we're going to be having in Vegas on June 16th. So I guess it's not a secret. Location is a secret because obviously you know about the party now. Okay, next, we will also be teaching one class on Sunday. And it's a free class. And we're going to be teaching about lash mitts. Tusty and Erica will be there teaching that class. So make your plans now. Change your life. Come out to IBS. It's going to be fun. I'm going to give you one more reason to be going out to IBS now in June. We will also be doing our Elevate class on June 17th at Sheik Sin City. We did this just a couple of weeks ago. Had about 25 people show up. It was amazing. Great 
time. We uh, talked about a ton of stuff, and I can assure you that everyone walked away with way more than they were prepared to get, and we're going to be doing it again on June 17th. The price of the class is $348, but because you are a listener and you support us, we're going to give you a discount code for $50 off Elevate IBS. The code is Elevate IBS, and we'd love to see you there. So come out to IBS on Saturday and on Sunday. Then on Monday, you'll come to Sheik Sin City and basically really get a download on how you can grow and improve your business in many different ways. This class will teach you your numbers, um, reports that you need to know, benchmarks you need to reach for your company, when to raise your prices, when to hire staff, when to lay off staff. We will give you all sorts of tools to help you figure out what you want to do with your company and where you're taking it. Plus, we're going to really help you with finding new clients, not just through Instagram. Everyone talks about that, but we're going to give you other ways where you can grow your business. So this is a must come to class if you're serious about your business. And by the way, it's not just for salon owners, it's for independent people working by themselves, or maybe you're thinking about starting your own business soon, and this will give you that head start on how to get your business up and going. So you don't want to miss it. June 17th is going to be at Sheikson City on that Monday, so sign up. Go to right now, you can go to our link in our bio, and you will see where you can sign up, and you just click the button, go pay online, and you are in. We only have 25 spots, so you want to buy this sooner than later because it will sell out because of IBS. We expect there are going to be tons of people there. So hurry up and get on right now before anyone else does. We also have a big event coming up this fall. This is going to be the go-to event for all last professionals. I promise you it will change your business. I can't give you anything more than that. So just be watching social media in the coming weeks. It's going to come out. It's going to be everywhere. You're all going to know about it and you're going to want to sign up for it. So save your money and I'll just say it's going to be in October. How about that? I'll just give you that much. So just plan for a weekend in October to change your business and grow it. So anyhow, enough about that. The last two things I want to tell you about is guest announcers. We're always looking for them. We have them before every episode. I have like five or six in the can. We're always looking for more. So if you want to be a guest announcer, go to our show notes and record the script that's there and send it to paul at integritylash.com. And lastly, we have a Facebook group called Lashcast Podcast. Wow, what a creative name. Who came up with that one? I have no idea. But you should go to that, sign up, request to get in. It's a private group and we post all sorts of goodies and details that we talk about here on our podcast forums and things that we discuss. So it's a great place to kind of get follow-up and a great place to ask questions and talk to us because we monitor every day and we're very active in there and we're always willing to try to help you guys with your business. Okay, now let's get back to what this show is about today. Today we are meeting with Levi. Levi came online and we talked to her for a good hour or so and we talked about Nala. Now, many of you maybe don't know what that is. That's a National Association for Lash Artist. It's been around for actually more than three years. I only thought it was maybe a year or two, but she's been around for a few years. And this is a group that's going to be sticking around. Maybe you've been in this industry for more than five years. We've been doing it for 14 plus years total. And there's been a lot of organizations that have come and gone, all with good intentions, all trying to help our industry. But unfortunately, for one reason or another, just did not succeed or really make any impact. But Nala is here to change that. And at first, for us, we were skeptical, I'll be honest. We were like, eh, another group, another organization that wants my money? I don't think so. But the truth is, once we got to know Levi and hear her purpose and her why and what she's trying to do, we were like, okay, this is different. This is an organization that's trying to make 
make a difference and actually has the focus and the commitment and the drive to make it happen. I think other groups have tried to do this, but I just don't think they had the commitment or made the resources to make it a reality. But Levi's 100% in and she has given everything she can to make this company or this organization be a benefit to all of you out there. So I'm really excited that we finally got her on. We also get to talk about the NALA Awards, which by the way, are this coming weekend. So you can go online, you can watch them. We were nominated. This is really why we decided to jump in and get to know a little bit more because we were like, I don't know, what's this NALA Awards? Is it really worth our time? But we sat down with her and really found out there's a real true vetting process. It's not just a popularity contest. It's not political. Hey, if you know the right people, you'll get in. It's really doing the homework, presenting your best version of yourself through these essays you have to write and answer questions, at least for the podcast side. And then they're going to pick the winner. And you know, my guess is we're not going to win. We love Shelby and we think Shelby has an amazing podcast and we're throwing our, our hat in her ring for that. But it doesn't matter if we win or lose. Just being part of it was fun and learning and getting to know Levi was really the biggest thing we took out of this is we got to find out how she does things, how she's motivated and how she's driven and where the integrity is in this organization that we can tell is this something that we love. Well, and they have our slot is integrity last. So guess what? We're drawn to other companies that have integrity. So anyhow, that all said, we are really excited to have her on. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear her story and learn a little bit more about her and Nala and all the things they're trying to do for you. So let's get on with that interview. All right, welcome everyone back to our exciting episode with Levi Shepard. We are so just honored to have her come on. As I told you in the introduction, she is the founder of Nala, and she's going to sit down and talk and help us dig in deep and understand what her purpose function is and what she's trying to do to help elevate our industry. But before we get to her, I want to just welcome Tustin and Erica back to the show. Well, thank you very much. How are you two guys doing? Fantastic. Good. Yeah, we just got done with Elevate, by the way, and our soiree. So that was like... In Vegas. In that was Vegas, a blast. baby. I feel like I need to recover. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I need some more days off yeah. after that. Man, it was crazy. We had about 70, 80 people showed up on the Sunday night thing. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was super fun. Yeah, and then on the Tuesday or Monday, I'm sorry, then we had about 25 people in our Elevate class, and we literally tortured them. The whole thing was 10 hours, and originally it was only planned for eight. So and you just crammed the information into everyone's brains. Yes, yes. I think we blew a lot of minds. (laughs) Brain overload. Yes, there was overload. But that was our first time doing it. We realized, you know, our goal was to over deliver, and I think we did that for sure. And we may pull back a little bit next time and just give them a a little bit, not too much information, because I think some people were just like. Like, holy crap, I don't even, I have like 80 things I should be changing in my business. So that was, <laughs> But you gave them the tools, so now they can really, yeah. they can do it on their own. And they you know, yeah. sometimes it needs to get into the brain many different ways, and you have to hear the same message over yeah. and over again. So mm-hmm. it was a great initial, like, brain dump, yeah. right? Yeah, it was a big brain dump. And hopefully then they'll come back, and we have some exciting things coming up that we'll be announcing soon that will hopefully give them that opportunity to get that Absolutely. further brain dump and also yeah, yeah. really apply this stuff and help grow their business in a healthy way. All right. Well, that's our opening banter moment. Now let's get into <laughs> our talk into with Levi here. And well, first, Levi, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored you invited me and I appreciate the opportunity to 
talk about Nala. We're very passionate about our mission and our vision. So thank you very much. And we are too, by the way. We've known about you for about a year and a half, I think. And when we first heard about it, obviously we don't know who you were and hadn't heard anything. We just said, okay, another organization trying to help lift up our industry. I hope they make it because, you know, we know there's been a few that have not. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit too and what's happening with you and how I think this is actually a horse to bet on. Mm -hmm. And I think we're really excited once you start really unpacking things. So for those of you who are listening or like, I don't know who she is. What, who made her boss and all that? I can guarantee you she's got some legitimate stuff going behind her and some good reasons, good logic, a lot of research, a lot of time and thought put into this. It's not just some haphazard thing that's been thrown together. And we're really excited to dig in deep and learn about it because I think people need to know about this. And it'll be something that they'll want to get be part of and join and support in the years to come. So first, let's get started with this. You can tell us a little bit about your background. Why the beauty? Why lashes? Why aren't you like a car mechanic, which I hear is a great career too. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. Originally, I actually went to school for accounting. So for several years, I worked as an accountant for a development firm, basically sitting in a basement, counting someone else's money. Very boring. Um, <laughs> I'm a really social person. So I found that career quite unsatisfying. And after I had my second child, my husband decided to take a gamble on me and let me go ahead and buy a business. And it, I just sort of took the leap. I dove into the deep end. My first business that I purchased actually was a tanning studio. Mm. And anyone who knows me finds that hilarious because I had never even been in a tanning bed. In <laughs> That's awesome. But I purchased this business basically with my accounting background. When I saw the books, I jumped on the opportunity. It was a really great chance to buy an established business that was already successful. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, the owner had to move back to Ontario, so he had to sell his business. I took that over and I managed to keep it successful. So that's my success story. I managed to not completely sink a successful business that I purchased. Yeah, that's, not, there. that's not easy to yeah. do, by the way. There's a lot of people oh. who transitions mm -hmm. over and the new ownership just muffs it up. So Yeah, I definitely don't take the credit for its success, but I do pat myself on the back for maintaining the top status in Canada. We were one of the top five studios in the country for the four years that I had it. That's awesome. Um, but I found the job very stressful. We had 150 clients a day. The beds were running constantly seven days a week. So wow. something was always breaking uh, my staff were always quitting or unhappy for some reason. It was a very stressful job. So despite the fact I was swimming in cash, I was miserable. Mm. And when I realized that money isn't success and that I'm not happy, my children and husband aren't happy, I made the decision rather quickly to sell the studio. Mm. So that happened in a day. The moment I put it on the market, it <laughs> actually sold in a few hours. That's how wow. successful Studio was wow. Kudos but to I you. was so relieved and so happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to make a long story short, I then found myself not doing anything. I was home, <laughs> which was great for about six weeks. I really needed that long holiday, but I was looking for my next adventure. And that's about the time eyelash extensions came to Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So much like everybody else's story, I got my first set of lashes. I fell madly in love and I haven't stopped thinking about them since. So <laughs> I became a lash artist. I was, yeah, I know. And Levi, what year was that after you've taken your break? What year was that and, and how long did that take? Yeah, so that was in 2011. Mm -hmm. I took my two-day course to become a certified lash artist. Mm -hmm. And then I came home and started gluing all my friends' eyes shut. <laughs> oh, join the club, welcome, right? Yeah, welcome to the party. And the industry, I mean, in Canada and in Edmonton at that time, it was still fairly new. I know some people had a little bit of experience by that time, but... 
there wasn't a lot of people I could reach out to for information. There wasn't a lot of places I could go to find out, is this really the best way to do this? Or Mm -hmm. is barbicide actually what I should be cleaning my tweezers with? You know, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, but that's what I was taught to do. And I just felt really lonely and frustrated that I couldn't find the information. I wanted to do what was best for my clients and for my business and for myself. And the information just wasn't available. So if we fast forward to 2016, that was when I decided to launch NALA, which has, of course, its own backstory in itself. But I launched the association because I really wanted to provide the industry with that information that was just so difficult to find. And I'm sure that I wasn't the only one frustrated by lack of information or constantly feeling like I was finding misinformation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just that's kind of where Nala comes from. Right. I remember the day. It's kind of like if you have a question and you're trying to find an answer, you go on to a forum and the, some of the stuff, we've talked about it before on this podcast, yeah. that it's just like the blind leading the blind because it's conflicting information or you know somebody says something and then everyone jumps on that bandwagon and it happens to be patently wrong. It's a lot of, um, I'm telling you this is why, because that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of verification, research, trying to understand, you know, let's go talk to doctors or medical people or scientists about the glue or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just purely ignore it all. I just say it because someone told me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's fair for people to assume what they taught was correct because that's why I chose the school I chose. I did my research. They seemed to know what they were doing. I spent copious amounts of money to be trained. So I took that as gospel because I trusted Mm -hmm. my instructor that she wasn't and that she wasn't just passing on misinformation. And that's kind of a shame that that happens in our industry. Also, we Mm -hmm. trust our educators when really they're just passing on what they learned from someone else without investigating it and researching it and making sure it's up to date and correct. Exactly. Well, it's kind of just the natural byproduct of a new and growing industry. You know, it's just a little little wild west. yeah. Yeah, which is why Nala is so needed. Can you share a little bit how you began to gather these standards and how you came to all the tenants that Nala believes as lash professionals that we should hold to. to. Yeah. 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 So the standards come together. I always like to explain to everybody that I don't think I'm queen shit of the lash industry. (laughs) I, I didn't just wake up one day and decide everyone should do it my way. They should follow my rules. I, I promise you that's not who I am. I have a board of advisors. There is a collective of people that decide what these standards and regulations should be. But by the time Nala launched, we had three years of research behind us. So as we're now three years old, we're looking at six years of global research at the moment. Um, But by the time we had launched, I had interviewed experts all over the world in the lash industry and in other aspects of the beauty industry. I also had interviewed just lash artists to ask them, what was lacking in your education? What do you wish you would have taught now that you've been lashing for two or three years? What is obvious to you that you should have learned that you didn't learn? And we also investigate any existing regulations So like some of the states have a lot of strict regulations in place. Some other countries have some regulations in place. So anything that the government has decided is legislature becomes NALA standard. Because if you're a member of NALA and you're following our standards, our standards should not be illegal in your state or province or county. So That was a big thing that I thought when you shared that with us was important is saying you're trying to get to the highest level of standards. So when you're a NALA member, you know it doesn't matter what country you're in. 
you're going to be compliant within your country, which means there'll be some countries where you're going to be way over compliant. Like mm-hmm. you maybe you need to still understand your own standards or maybe some things where you disagree and say, well, for us here, it's not a standard. But to be a NALA member, though, you're going to have to go to that next level, I guess, and agree to those terms. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I've done anything through government approval, I was always kind of disappointed at how easy it was to get approved through different government programs. So I think to set that as your standard, you're not really doing the best for yourself and for your clients. Why not go above and beyond? Why not leave absolutely no room for doubt that everything you are doing is to such a high level of disinfection and health and safety and just the absolute highest standards? I think our clients deserve that. We're offering a luxury service We're charging appropriately for it. And if one of your clients calls you to tell you that they have pink eye, you need to know 100% without a doubt, it did not happen on your watch. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Like, why take chances? Why? I don't know. It's a good peace of mind. So can you share with us what NALA is not? Like, I think sometimes people think, oh, is it the police? Like, if you, is it a regulatory agency? If you sign up, are you going to get inspected by it? Can you share with our listeners what NALA is not and what people might think that you yeah, are? Yeah, the assumptions that people make sometimes, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. NALA is not a governing body. Mm-hmm. So we are a private firm. We are an association made of your peers. Mm-hmm. So all of our standards and regulations are developed by your industry peers, people who are in the industry and they understand it. We also have board members who are not lash artists, but they're in the beauty industry and in sections of the industry that have been around a lot longer than lashes. So I'm hoping we can learn from their mistakes and not repeat Mm -hmm. some of their history by incorporating those new rules into the lash industry as well. So we are not a governing body. The only authority we have is once you become a member you are contractually obliged to us to follow our standards. Hmm. So the only authority we have is to revoke your membership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the same with accreditation for your courses. The only power we have is to revoke that if you're not actually following the standards. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a good housekeeping seal, if you will. It's a a stamp of approval so that our clients, you know, our end user, the people who want to get their lashes done, can look and say, are they NALA certified? Because if they are, then they know that the kind of treatment that they're going to encounter is going to be a certain level. Is that true? Yes, that's right. Yes. The NALA membership process. Like you can't just join the membership. You have to apply and you have to qualify to be a member. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's so talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> we do also put our members through a pretty rigorous process. They have to do an online exam. And these questions are geared towards what are your practices in your studio? Walk us through your disinfection process. Are you working directly from the lash tray or are you discarding them? You know, saving your tile for the next client, asking questions about their daily practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they need to submit three before and after photos of their models showing us their work. And then they have to submit two separate videos. Uh, this is how we avoid actually having to fly to your studio to test you in person. Um, You introduce yourself in the video so we can see it's you doing the work. And then we watch you properly isolate and safely apply a lash extension or a fan. And you have to, you know, apply a few different extensions that way so we can see your technique. And then the second video is when the set is complete. Again, you introduce yourself to show us it's you. And you go through and we do what's called a picking video where you pick through the lashes with your tweezers to show us that there are no stickies and that every natural lash is independent from each other. 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody applies and they are almost there, but not quite. They don't quite reach your standards. You see there's an improvement that needs to be made. What happens at that point? Does the person uh, have to reapply again? Do they have to pay a fee? Is there any kind of coaching? What does that look like? So I will say that 98% of our applicants do not pass on their first attempt. Oh, wow. <laughs> but what comes with the membership program is mentoring from the NALA team. So we actually work with them one-on-one mm. and help them to achieve that standard. Our mission is not to turn people away. We want everyone to be at that level of standard. So if you're not there yet, that's not your fault. We praise you for wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. And we mentor you and we lovingly guide you on how you can make some changes in your studio, a few different things you can do with your techniques. And everybody always appreciates it because they know they have to qualify to be a member. When they achieve membership status, they are so proud. It actually means something, yeah. Right. right? Yeah, they worked <laughs> yeah. for it. Are there any common things that are usually like a theme of what, you know, disqualifies someone the first time? The biggest thing is saving the lash tiles for your clients. Mm-hmm or working directly from the lash tray. So when you get your trays from the manufacturer, they come as clean as they can. We can't Mm -hmm. guarantee they're sterile, but when you're working directly from the tray, your tweezer goes near the client's eye and then it goes back in the tray and then into the eye and back in the tray and you're risking contaminating your clean lashes. Mm -hmm. We recommend that you cut the trays with like an X-Acto blade or a clean knife cut them into smaller strips and only remove from the tray what you actually need and put that on your tile. Hmm. And then whatever is left over at the end of the appointment should go in the garbage. Hmm. Now, what about if somebody uses like a UVC light or UV cabinet to put the tiles underneath that? Would that uh, meet your standards? It actually doesn't. And we don't accept UV as the only level of decontamination. Mm-hmm. If you go through a full decontamination process and then want to store them in UV, that's acceptable. But lash extensions by our standards cannot be cleaned or disinfected okay. because they're fibrous. Mm-hmm. The only thing that should be reused to go through a disinfection process and use again on the next client it has to be smooth surface, like your tweezer or your tile. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say tile, some health inspectors will even not accept the tile because the other side of it is porous. Hmm. So that's where a jade stone is really great for your adhesive and things because the entire surface is smooth. But some health inspectors can be quite finicky about even using the ceramic tile. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that in California. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously every country and state area is there. So in Canada, is that a Canadian thing or is that some other countries you've seen? Because I know you gather your stuff from a lot of places. So where is we that? We do. And you know what? We get just as frustrated as lash artists in the fact that I think a lot of health inspectors don't even know what they're supposed to be looking for. Yeah. And even within my city, it will change from day to day. Like one studio will be passed with flying colors and the next studio is being told to make changes for the exact same things because they had a different <laughs> vector show up. Mm. So it is frustrating. And another thing we're trying to hope to accomplish with the NALA standards is that when an inspector comes into your place, he should have absolutely no reason Mm -hmm. to give you an X on your report or to threaten to shut you down. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I see that I abiding by your rules, hopefully, because you guys have done your homework, because it's great. I don't think people understand. You spent many years researching this. It's not like you took a week or a weekend away and thought, I got some cool ideas. And I'll throw them in there. These are my personal pet peeves, and I'm just going to do that. You actually went through and found things that were consistently across the board for everyone highest 
level. And I'm sure some of these things are pushing buttons for certain people. They're going to mm-hmm. be like, I don't know about that one. I'm not well, sure about that one. I don't do one. it like that, and I'm fine. Yeah, so. so you'll get some, I'm sure, I'm guessing you must get some pushback on some of these things. Like, I would join if you didn't do that. Is that. Do you ever get that, or are most people pretty compliant, really excited about all the ideas that you guys are pushing? Uh, I would say that the majority of the people that come into Nella's way is or into our path, they're excited about what we're doing, but we definitely get some pushback and it's a little bit disheartening. I don't understand why our standards make some people so angry. Hmm. And sometimes I feel maybe they're misunderstanding that when we post, for example, the other day we put a post up on Facebook saying no pets in the studio. Mm -hmm. And there is an explanation on the post saying it's actually against your health code. Like a health inspector will shut down your studio for having animals. Mm -hmm. You cannot have animals in the same area as a personal service. And people get really angry. There's like a huge fight going on on Facebook right now. And I've spent the last two days having to defend myself. I I think when I really think about it, perhaps people feel like I'm calling them dirty when I tell them not to do something that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like it just, I feel personally attacked. And then I realize I think they felt personally attacked when I posted that. And that's absolutely not our intention. I try to explain that Nala is simply trying to be the catalyst of information for you. We're just letting you know that you're not supposed to do that. We're not judging you. We don't think we're better than you. It's just a lot of people don't realize they bring their pets to work with them and they don't realize it's actually against health code. You're not allowed to do that. But at the end of the day, it's your business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You run your business however you want and we're not going to judge you for that. We just want to help share information. I think that's fine. And I think people should understand, like you said, you guys aren't a regulatory body. So, you know, if someone doesn't want to agree to those standards, they don't have to bash you. They can just politely say, that's not for me. And Mm -hmm. I respect you for that. And I'm going to do it our way or maybe in our country or our state, we have a little bit different rules. And like you said, you guys aren't coming down and judging people. You're just saying, You're not going to bang down the door and say, Nala's here. There's a pet in the room. Yeah. We're going (laughs) to drag your dog or something. You know, it's like the goal here is just, I like what I like is aspiring to the highest level possible for everyone. And if you buy in on that idea, then jump on board and celebrate it. And if you're one of those people at the tractor, that's okay too by the way god bless you go your way and run your business your way we're not gonna you know punish you for some reason or like that so i think it's good for people to know because i'm gonna bet some people don't know that but they feel oh my gosh here's another organization trying to repress me i have to deal with the city i have to deal with my local health board i have to deal with this and now i have to deal with nala threatening me and, you know people get stressed real easy when they see this type of stuff and i think it'd be great instead of seeing it as a threat it's actually a partner trying to help you and inspire you for something better in your business so i think it's great yeah, The association was inspired by the fact that there just seemed to be no regulatory guidelines. There seemed to be no information. And we're simply trying to offer that to the industry. And through our membership and accreditation, we're trying to highlight and praise the people who are really working hard to be at the top of their game and to do the best that they can for the industry because that benefits all of us. When everyone holds themselves to a higher standard, it raises the entire industry. It sure does. Now, how much is the application for the membership and how long does it take? So how long it takes kind of depends on the member because some girls, they're just so busy that it takes us several weeks to get all their elements sent in. Mm -hmm. Once we receive everything, we ask for up to four weeks to process it. Mm -hmm. We're very thorough and detailed in everything that we do. The fee for membership is $200 a year. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, That does include your initial membership fee. It includes your mentoring and your reapply. Uh, And then it comes with a lot of different perks. And once you're approved, we publish you on the NALA Global Directory of Qualified Lash Artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I know we talked a little bit about this in our pre-meeting, but can you share with our audience what kind of packages you have? Is it for the individual stylist? Is it for salons in terms of the membership? Right. So since Nella launched three years ago, we've been offering only an individual membership. So a lash artist can prove his or her skills in health and hygiene in order to achieve status. But we have been working on a studio membership for a little over a year And just recently in February, we had our three-day board of advisor meeting here in Edmonton. And I think we have finalized what that's going to look like, what the requirements will be to qualify as a studio and what the benefits will be to the studio once they achieve that status. That's great. Hopefully launching this summer or fall. I don't want to make any promises. We'll put it out there till it's perfect, but we're working on it. We're really excited about the new product. That's awesome, though. I've, we've learned that the hard way. We used to promise things all the time with our team, like on the regular basis, oh, we're going to do this. And then, you know, six months go by, and I'm like, oh, crap, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> and eventually our team began to say, oh, yeah, you guys just always say you're going to do this and that, and you never do any of it. I'm like, okay, we're never announcing anything from now on until we really know it's ready. Like, okay, we have this. We can do it. Um, we still once in a while make a mistake here and there, but by far now, I think we've learned not to get too far ahead of ourselves because I know entrepreneurs, we get so excited about new ideas. We're like, oh my gosh, I want to tell all my friends about this new idea. Da, 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 da. I just want to run around and shout off yeah. the top of mountains. And and then, then you can sometimes look a little dumb because it takes forever to act that great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And definitely, I've been doing the business thing for 12 years now, and I've learned a lot of harsh lessons just like that over the last decade or so. It's like... You're excited about your idea, but be patient. Yeah. Just take your time. Build it slowly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Slow the, like the turtle, was it? The, the Slow hair. and steady Slow gets and steady. the race yeah. done, right? Yeah, wins the race, yeah. <laughs> well, there have been other companies that have come and gone. I don't want to mention any names, but had, has God bless them. Similar, you know, <laughs> similar idea and longing to create a higher standard for the industry. So can you share what makes Nala different? Yeah, and... Why we should be betting on you, because I know you shared a little bit, which encouraged us. And I think it's really kind of cool how you're approaching this whole thing. Yeah, I know. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. And the other people or the other associations that have come into the community, I have absolute utmost respect for them because I know they came into it for the right reasons, with the right heart, with the same kind of passionate drive that I came into this with. And I don't know enough about their businesses to say, why they did or didn't have success. I just know for Nella, I was so dedicated to this association that I sold my lash and brow studio and I gave up my training academy to Mm -hmm. focus on the association full time. It is the only job I have. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that's why I've been able to get a few steps farther than some of the other associations is because it's all I do. It's everything. I work 60 to 70 hours a week for the last three years Mm just to serve the community. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And I, I mean, again, no disrespect to anyone else. We know some of the people who've started these other organizations. It is hard work. And we mm-hmm. just know that it's hard work. In fact, we used to talk, Tess and I, like, I don't know how they're doing their salon and they're trying to do their organization. And I, they're training. And they're training. And they're like, they're and going the in 80 different directions. And that just is unsustainable for a long period of time. And I think that's why it was so difficult for those organizations to really get lift and keep going. And I think what's great about you, which we're excited here, is that, no, you're 100 
percent on board, and You've this is your baby. You're not doing anything focus. else. And that focus, I think, is going to serve you well and help you get this thing not just started, but actually make this thing stay and, and really help our industry. Yeah, I definitely draw a lot of my strength from my board of advisors. I could not do this without them. Every single one of these board members is completely on a volunteer basis. They volunteer their time, their knowledge, and their attention to me just to simply help see Nala help lift up the community because they care and they love it so much. And I'm really grateful for them. I would be absolutely nothing without my board of advisors. Now, I mean, that support system and all that is very important. Dale, do you have anyone else currently working with you aside from the board, or is it still right now in the kind of the bootstrapping, just you running everything and then hiring, I guess you told some people, for like the awards and stuff like that? I have a wonderful team, and I would love to brag about them. Anyone who's ever contacted Nala has probably been in contact with Bree, and she is our customer relations representative, and she's also the events manager. She helps with all the events that we do. Cool. And she's a godsend to me, and she probably works double her contracted hours every <laughs> week, and I love her for it, and I appreciate her. Yeah. Um, I also have a social media manager, Jody, very talented woman, and she's good at what she does. And if you're not on social media, you don't exist. And I don't have time to be on social media as much <laughs> as you need to. So Jody, again, very valuable team member, and then the lady who gets the most flack probably from the community is our quality control manager, Lori. Uh, she's the one in charge of making sure you're staying committed to your contract with us. If you're a member or if you have an accredited academy, you're bound to our standards and our guidelines and our rules. So she's often in contact with them. Keep it, you know, Not that they try to break contract or anything like that, yeah. but she's usually the one. She processes the applications. So she's the one to let people know if they need to adjust something. So she keeps she, them accountable. Yeah, she holds everybody accountable. She also is the one that receives complaints about members. And we actually never had a complaint about a member, but we have people complaining about people who are posing as a member. Oh, oh no. no, tell us. Tell us what that <laughs> looks like. Yeah. It's terrible because when we receive a complaint about somebody, one of your NALA members is doing this and she's doing that. And we always take these complaints very seriously and do a thorough investigation. Uh, so we thank them for their feedback and thank them for letting us know. But every time it has happened, we've discovered the person is not a NALA member. They just downloaded our logo and put it on their website. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Again, this is the role that Lori has to play where she needs to reach out to them and She's going to be yeah. a tough gal, yeah. right? A lot of, <laughs> lot of thick who skin. Con- who has conflict. It doesn't avoid conflict and is okay with it. Yeah, she has a heart of gold, but she has much thicker skin than I do. So I'm happy that I get to pass this on to her and say, can you <laughs> go make sure everything's okay and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and handle the situation. So now, it's unfortunate we have to do that. Yeah. Now that I'm just curious, the people who do that, you know, obviously they see there's a value to the name. That's why they poach it and put it on their website. But what is their attitude when they've been caught? Do they like, oh, well, can I become a member? Can I get in right standing with you? Is Have you converted anybody? What does that look like? It's actually a good question. I should follow up with that a little bit better. Um, one girl, for example, she partnered with a NALA member, so she decided to call herself also a NALA member. Mm-hmm. As they went into business together. Mm-hmm. There's just, you know, mm-hmm. the association and our products, they're not exactly perfect yet. We have to put some things in place to prevent stuff like that happening, mm-hmm. but we're working on it. In our contractual details, I didn't realize I had to specify that only you are allowed to call yourself a member. You can't uh, share it with all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess 
as we continue to grow, we're learning different things that what people might try to get away with and <laughs> ways to combat that and make it very clear that they can't. So they can't get I'm, in the way. I'm very happy I have Lori to deal with all that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you need an amnesty program or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> welcome into the tribe. It's okay. You just have to yeah. abide by the rules and pay the fees and you're yes. welcome to have Nala all over. I think I've been called Nala, but I realize you're saying Nala, Nala. So yeah. I got to be able to get their, the Nala. wording down right. Anyhow, so very cool. Well, I have a question for you. So if Nala was a person, what would that person look like? If Nala was a person, I picture her like everybody's big sister. Mm. All she wants to do is hold your hand, help you avoid the mistakes that she made, make sure you're making good choices for yourself so that you can prosper and have a really exciting future for yourself. Mm. Oh, that's I great. I saying that. That gives me goosebumps. Aww. I just, I love <laughs> I'm, Yeah. Oh, yeah, who cool would picture. who would want that? Right. That's, yeah. that's what we want Nala to be. So yeah. it's not somebody in a police uniform with these big old <laughs> no. boots on that's going to kick your butt. <laughs> somebody that's, that's soft. That's and my organization. Gonna, I'm going to start. I'm going to start some organization. We just kick lashes on. No one will sign up. Yes, no one will sign up. Come and be abused by Paul. Paul uh, lash police. I think that'd be really something big in the future. No, she's definitely a very loving big sister. She just has high standards, and yeah. she knows that you're capable of doing better than you're doing right now. Now, and she wants to guide you there. That's great. I, that. I think that's great. So I always try to be the voice of the listener on this podcast, and those are like the that's questions I try to think of when <laughs> I'm when we're interviewing. And so I think Nala is amazing. I think it's a really worthy benchmark people should try to work towards in their career. And I want to know a little bit more about your standard for lash tiles and not reusing the lash palettes, Mm -hmm. because I know that a lot of people don't do that. They're not in compliance with what your standard would be. So I want to know more, because I want people who are listening to not be deterred from applying and becoming a member with you guys. So I can imagine them wondering what exactly that looks like, or maybe more of like the reasoning behind it. I don't know, like maybe the science. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was just challenged with a similar question today where somebody had asked me, it's like, well, I want to see your research studies proving that this is unsafe. And so I will answer your question, but just to clarify, NALA isn't doing science experiments. We're incorporating existing regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if a health inspector says you cannot use a ceramic tile because it's porous on the other side, then that becomes NALA standard. Got it. And it's also some health inspectors, and there are regions that have regulations for lash artists, and working directly from the tray in some areas is that regulation because of the risk of cross-contamination. So when you really get deep into cross-contamination and infection control, some people may disagree and think it's over the top, but NALA standards are over the top. Right. Yeah. So for if I came to you and I had pink eye, but I wasn't showing symptoms yet, Mm-hmm. And you're using your tweezer to go from my eye to the lash tray, from my eye to the lash tray. And that tray is just for me. It says Levi on it. You're just going to put it in the cupboard and save it for me when I come back. So you think that's safe. And you think that because your educator probably taught you to do that. And your educator taught you to do that because there was a time that that was acceptable standard. But we've now learned that like when I come back, you're putting my dirty lashes back on me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, and chances are the lashes are probably fine, but why take that chance? Mm-hmm. Why not do everything to such a high, clean standard 
that you have no doubt what you're doing is completely clean. And that leaves you with the confidence of being like above reproach when they do come and ask those questions. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not guessing in your mind. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. This may be a hot button topic, but since we're on the, the subject, does Nala have a stance on acrylic fingernails or any kind of long wear gel ornament on the practitioner's fingernails? So it's actually not something we've written in our standards yet, but it is on the docket. They should be wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, yeah, now I've seen that popping up more and more. There have been mm-hmm. more people saying that. But at the same time, I know for us, our biggest thing is much like we're nurses, they have to have short nails. Yeah, we just, for our personal, we don't allow anybody to be wearing like a long-wearing acrylic because of the transfer of gram-negative bacteria. And that's kind of what you're talking about too with yeah. the pink eye and the saving the lashes. It's If a nurse has any bacteria on, it, it's very easily transferred because underneath the nail doesn't get as clean as a natural nail that's easily scrubbed out every time. So yeah. just curious. But, but yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. When I had gel nails when I was younger, as they're growing out, there's always a little crease on top and underneath. Mm-hmm that just is the breeding ground for bacteria. It's so difficult to get it perfectly clean. Um, There is actually discussion at our board of advisor meeting. A lot of people are feeling that we should incorporate gloves as part of the regular standard. Mm -hmm. Right now, we just inform people of the benefit of it, and some inspectors do require them. Right now, NALA still just educates you on why they're beneficial. We don't necessarily try to enforce it yet. Yeah. But the thing is, we work so hard to keep our clean zone clean and keep our workspace properly sanitized and disinfected. But so we disinfect our tools, we disinfect our treatment table, everything's clean, but our hands can only be sanitized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we work so hard to reach disinfection level or sterilization level, and then we touch everything with our hands, which are only sanitized. Mm. So gloves solve that problem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be... A lot of people will struggle with that one because that's a very high standard. But like anything, you guys, I think what's neat is you are saying we're trying to get you at the highest standard. So, mm-hmm. again, if you understand your mission, it makes sense. It totally makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most regulations in Canada, America, and Europe require that your pedicurist wear gloves and she's only touching your feet. We're touching mucous membranes on your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I want to switch gears. I want to talk a little bit about the accreditation as well. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Go for it. We want to get into the accreditation part because I, I know. That's another big part of what you guys are all about. So maybe you can explain you know, what you are accrediting and you know, how you do it. Because obviously you guys have thought through this whole membership thing, I think, a lot further than most people think. I bet you most people think, oh, you just pay a fee, Levi gets to take my money, and then they do nothing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's unfortunate. As I've talked about earlier, it's so easy for people to write their own script, their own story, their own assumptions. They don't ask questions. They don't realize that there's real thought and purpose behind a lot of this. This is not just a money grab. There's actually something being done here to try to help our industry. So maybe you can share a little bit more about the why and what you do and what is accreditation and all that. So the reason NALA decided to become an accreditation agency for training programs is because there are a lot of really amazing educators and training programs out there. And there are a lot that are tragically sad. Yeah. They're all charging the same price, and it seems the people who are best at marketing and branding seem to be the ones educating the masses. Um, I'm not saying the good marketers don't have good curriculums. Just there seems to be a flaw in the system where aspiring students don't know how to choose the best school for themselves. 
And it breaks my heart when somebody works their tail off for six months, extra shifts at their restaurant, saving all their tips so they can come up with this 1200 US dollars to go take a course and they didn't learn anything mm-hmm. or they only learned how to apply lash extensions. And as we know, there's so much more to it than just showing someone how to do lashes. Mm-hmm. So accreditation was a way of showing the credibility of somebody who actually has developed a full training curriculum. These curriculums, to earn accreditation, they have to cover absolutely every possible aspect a lash artist may need to know. Everything has to be up-to-date and comprehensive and in detail. And we talked earlier about how most of our members don't pass on the first try. We have never had an accreditation pass on their first try. Mm. So this does include a free reapply because we know once we send you our detailed report, you're going to have more work to do to bring it up to the standard. Yeah. And again, that's simply because our standards are outrageous. They're absolutely the top of anything that you could achieve. So when a training academy achieves accreditation for their courses, we compare it to earning Michelin stars for your restaurant. Mm-hmm. You absolutely know your course, that there are no courses better on the planet. Your course includes absolutely everything. The review checklist is five pages long just for the checklist. Mm -hmm. By the time you receive your report, you probably have about 15 pages of information and guidance from us on how to bring it up to the NALA accreditation standard. And some people get upset by the process when they don't pass, but most people really appreciate that detailed report because they genuinely want to offer the best possible training that they can. And again, this isn't Levi's list of what she thinks everybody should be teaching. This checklist and this was developed from the last five years of global research, discussing education in other industries and just really bringing the lash industry education to the top standard. Because if we really want to make a difference, I believe it needs to happen at the education level. Mm -hmm. We'll continue to educate and encourage and mentor existing lash artists. But if we can get all the new artists coming into the industry to be fully properly trained in the way that we all wish we were, I think the future is really bright if we can do that. No, I think that's great because I think one of our top problems, I mean, we have many problems like in anything in the industry is training because I interview people all the time. I'm always interviewing people for potential positions here because we're always in a permanent state of looking. We always want to look for that one person. It takes us like four to six months to find a new employee because we're just so picky. But sadly, when I start talking about their training, it's almost universally, they all say, I basically got a one-day training. It was six hours, and they finished at four hours. Or there was a two-day training, and I barely got to touch the model, and they just talked about social media the whole time. You know, there's all these just weird trainings out there because everyone knows now that you're going to make a lot of money of a trainer. If you can charge 1200 bucks and you get five people in the room, you can't do that in one day doing lashes. And then you think, wow, I can just get five people in every month. I can make myself enough money just to do training. And there's no offense that me. It's okay to have those aspirations and want to be a trainer. But I think it draws in a lot of people who are just doing it for the money and they're not really doing it because they want to help our industry grow and aspire to the highest level. And like you said, they can really learn to market well. And if they know social media well, they can find an infinite amount of people to come in and take their training. Mm-hmm. So us beginning to self-regulate and call people out and have the higher standard for training, I think is really good and really important for people to think about doing so that you really can verify that you're going into trans better. So I don't have to interview people every day. It feels like we go, how's your training? And they always look down and go, uh, it wasn't very good. 
In fact, I had to pretty much learn on my own. You know, that's not the way our industry should be. And that's not the way the hair world is, right? I mean, the hair world, you get 1,600 hours in California. And even then, you still aren't going to be doing hair. You're going to have to go uh, be an apprentice for a year or so. And then maybe they'll let you cut someone's hair. So it's like a year's a process. And maybe we can start aspiring and pushing our train to get that same kind of high-level expectation and not just try to take people's money mm-hmm. just so because I can get a good 5000 or 10000 payout in one day for training, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the Nala seal of accreditation is more of a product that we develop to serve the public, to serve aspiring students. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, what this is, we did the homework for you. We reviewed it. You know, that curriculum has been reviewed by an association of the industry peers and has been deemed that, yes, this will properly prepare you for a successful career as a lash artist. And because it's hard, like you say, some people are in it for the wrong reasons and other educators are in it for all the right reasons. They're Mm -hmm. so passionate, they care so much, their content is so quality and it's really difficult to discern between the two. There's like a lack of how do you know the difference? So that's where the seal of accreditation comes in. Yeah, I mean, that's true in any industry. I worked in Hollywood for a long time and there were always these screenwriting gurus going out there saying, you know, take my class. And I remember Mm -hmm. the company I was working with, I had these two writers and I was kind of like the third wheel in this writing team. And we always said, we will not teach anyone how to write a script until we sell a million dollar script. I just think, yes, we understand screenwriting, but at the same time, we need a little clout behind it. And we just decide, you know what, we're going to wait till that day comes. And then if we get there, we will just turn around and start teaching people how to write. Because I just feel like there's a lot of people just doing it because, again, the money. Or, and now it even seems like even more I've seen with lashes. People are just jumping into training even before they finish learning themselves. They're like, hey, I've been doing lashes for six months, and now I'm going to start doing training. I'm like, oh, my gosh, please stop. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? But having this. a lot of inquiries from people who have told us, oh, I've been a lash artist for three months and I want to be an educator. I've been a lash artist six months. And I agree with you with the Hollywood story. I think it's only fair to your students that you have already mastered the craft before you try to teach them how to do it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then you take the role so seriously Mm -hmm. and you understand what a huge responsibility it is Mm -hmm. to teach someone else. And you need to be available to mentor them after. And you have to be dedicated to their success. If you are not absolutely passionately dedicated to their success, please don't become an educator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think we need to slow down a lot of people in the education pathway where they're just like jumping the gun, want to go straight into that. Because I think, you know, they realize building a business, building a following, building clientele is really, really hard. And being consistent and growing your skills as a lash stylist. And thinking long-term too, being a stylist for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, a lot of people are like, ah, I'm not going to be that. I can't do that. So they just jump right to the next thing. Well, I want to have a product line. I want to be a trainer. And it's like, okay, you know, like pay your dues. These other trainers I know, a lot of the top ones, they've been doing it for years and years before they transitioned over. And you're just trying to do a shortcut. And I think what you guys are doing is going to at least help call some of those people out and really make sure that, you know, the ones who do get through your guys' accreditation, which sounds like it's by no means easy, is going to at least be a, a good selling point for people to say, hey, I went through their process it was vigorous and i proved my worth and that this program is solid so i think that's a great thing you guys are doing yes most of our applicants by the time they achieve that status they are just in tears with pride and so (laughs) proud of themselves Mm -hmm. and i love the response that we get because the majority of them will thank us you know Mm -hmm. thank you for pushing me to be the best i can be i'm so proud of my curriculum now and that's why we do it it's beautiful it reminds me i don't know if you've seen this documentary it came out several years ago it's called hero dreams of sushi and it's following this master chef, sushi chef, who's been doing it for like decades and decades and decades. And he's got like one of the Michelin stars, you know. Was at the time the only 
I think Sushi Chef, they had a Michelin star. Yeah, three, and they, three of the three they stars. didn't have a restroom in their restaurant, and it was like downstairs in a, a subway, but they still got this. And they only serve water. Yeah. And no appetizers. <laughs> no appetizers. But the thing is, okay, the, <laughs> yeah. the Jiro, the um, head guy, his standards were so high. They were showing what it was the process of like of training somebody new, and they would be put on a very low job. One of them was making the egg dish. It's just basically you whip up the egg and then you cook it. But the standards were so high, it took this one guy like a year to master the egg because each time he'd make it, he'd just say, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. <laughs> really picky. So at the end of that, and he, <laughs> the first time he made that egg right, he like broke down and cried. And he's just like, you know, it just means <laughs> so much because I've worked so hard to do this. And I can imagine that your graduates and once they've been accredited who've fought so hard feel like that. Like I finally did it and it means something. So very cool. Yes, absolutely. Some of them do get a little defeated because they're like, oh my God, you guys are so hard on me and this is so rough. And of course we're very loving with our reports and information, but at the end of the day, it either meets the requirements or it doesn't. So yeah, sometimes they start off a little discouraged. And as I say, we mentor them, we guide them. And once they achieve it, it really is a big deal. And we're so proud of them and they're so proud of themselves. Now, there's another area that we wanted to jump in and talk about, and that's actually the thing why we actually want to approach you and talk to you was the NALA Awards that are coming up here in May, and we're going to hopefully yes, air... like a second Christmas for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to be airing this hopefully just beforehand so that people, if they still want, can still jump in, buy tickets, get there, and if they can't, I know you have an online option for people to be able to at least watch the show, which is what I did last year. I watched the show online. It was really fun. So, yeah. anyhow, you may tell us what this whole NALA award thing is and what inspired it and all the details. So in our industry, quite often, I mean, if you're following the Lash forums or you go to events and are communicating with our industry peers, there's a lot of negativity all the time. There just seems to really be focused quite often on what's not working. You know, it's like there are no regulations. Everybody's doing lashes. The market is overset. There's a lot of negativity because there's a lot of things that do need to be corrected in our industry. But NALA likes to focus on those people that are doing things right. We like to focus on what's going well. And we really want to celebrate the game changers and the leaders and the people that you've never heard of, but they're running the cleanest lash studio you've ever set your foot into. And we just wanted to really shine a light on all of the things that are going well. And so we chose this awards program to reward the people who are killing it out there, who are really doing things that are uplifting our industry, like the epitome of lash artistry and the epitome of education. And let's say thank you to them. So Mm. this is something that's completely funded by NALA simply to say thank you to the industry and to, like I say, shine a light on the people who are out there giving it their best every day. Yeah. So no. can we get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts? What is the process? Is it like a popularity contest? Is it in order to be nominated? Do you have to prove? Can you just share what the process is like? Yeah, it was really important to us that if you receive a NALA award, it is based on merit. So anyone can nominate anyone. We even encourage people to nominate themselves the definitions of the awards are listed on the NALA Gala website. So if you are going through these award options and you're reading the definition and you're like, yeah, that's me, I do that, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. nominate yourself for that award because you can't be considered 
if you're not nominated. So most of our nominees are nominated by their clients or their coworkers or their colleagues, but some of them do nominate themselves as well. And I think that's great. Every nomination, when we receive them, for example, if you were nominated, which you were, <laughs> we reach out to you and ask you to accept that nomination because you're going to have to follow all of our rules and guidelines for nominating. And we need you to agree that you're going to fill out the application. We also just want to get your permission to put your name on our website and not just publish you without you realizing. Mm -hmm. If you agree, you'll sign the contract and we begin the process. So we send every nominee that accepts their nomination, we send them an application. So this is a little bit of work for you. It's a lot of work for us. Yeah. Every single nominee fills out an application and every single one is thoroughly reviewed by the NALA team. Mm -hmm. So as we're going through the process, we, I guess sort of our elimination process, once we have all our nominations in, which come in every year in December and January, we spend all of February going through them. And if someone's application proves that they actually don't qualify for the award, then we eliminate them from the running. So we developed this short list. This year, I was very excited to see almost everybody actually qualified. So yay, industry! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> great. We're growing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The first year we did this, most of the nominees did not qualify for the award. And this year, I would say 90% of them did. So wow. I was very excited to see that. Again, means a lot of work for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go through our elimination process and then that's where we bring in the awards committee. So our NALA awards committee, again, these are volunteers and some of them are industry people and some of them are non-industry personnel. Mm -hmm. The reason we do that is because when someone shares anything to do with the background or like the ins and outs of their business like or proprietary training manuals with us, their curriculum secrets. We don't want to share that with anybody else in the industry. We want to keep it as confidential as possible. So nobody's worried about their material being copied. So we have non-industry people reviewing all that kind of sensitive material. Mm -hmm. And then the industry people help us with things like customization and design, technique awards, everything that's very lash related. We need industry experts to help us with that. And then our media awards and more generic things like that, the entire committee weighs in on it. So from there, we narrow it down to our top finalists. Hmm. Very cool. No, I think what's great is that when we first found out, you know, we don't know. We, everyone has no idea. So we were totally clueless. We we're, we're like, like, do we just need to give them enough votes? I, yeah, do we have to go and get people to vote for us? Do we, do we have, have to, to just like be buddy-buddy with somebody? Yeah, is it a political thing? We just have to know the right people. And what was so cool is when we got nominated, thank goodness, I don't know who nominated us. We didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't know we could nominate ourselves or otherwise I probably would have. But, <laughs> uh, but um, someone out there paid the fee, which was shocking that anyone would pay to nominate us. Hopefully we'll earn the right for that. But but it was really neat to see you send the application. And I was like, holy crap, this is really a vetting process. This, this is, is legit. legit. We also, every year as a salon, we're really proud of being part of the Salon Today Top 200. Four years in a row, the only last salon in the United States that has that honor. And mm. what's cool about it is that it's a very big vetting process. I was telling you, Levi, yesterday, I have to write a, like 10 or 11 essays and answer all these questions, show all these financials. And you guys don't ask for all the financials, but you do ask a lot of I think deep soul searching questions to make sure you're not just winging things. You actually have purpose, you have meaning, you're trying to do something right, at least for the podcast. 
And I thought the questions were really insightful and really dead on for what we're doing. And I think what was cool is I know that we haven't seen them, but you're doing the same thing, I'm sure, for each of those other categories, whether it's education, where it's mentorship, whether it's each one of those. It's not just, hey, you know, who has the best Instagram family? You guys are actually looking and searching who they are at the core and what they're trying to accomplish and what's their why and understand their why and then rewarding the people who really have, I think, the best values, the best goals or the best curriculum or whatever the thing that they are doing. So I give you huge kudos because I think that's the harder thing to do. That takes Mm -hmm. much more resources. It takes much more intent to execute that. It's just harder to do. I think the easy road would have just done a popularity contest, yeah. go on Facebook, Instagram, and say, vote for your favorite person, favorite podcast. And you know what? Whoever has the best marketing wins. Good luck with that, right? right. So people's it was really cool. People's Last Choice Awards. <laughs> yeah, People's Last Choice Awards, it exactly. Just, it, it means something, right? Yeah, so, so. I know we're a little biased now because we're actually nominated. I want to let everyone know. But also, like us, because you know we're very much about integrity and doing things at the highest level. And here you have that. I just want people to know that so that anyone who's a naysayer mm-hmm. out there going, I wasn't nominated, so it must suck or something. You understand, guys, first off, you could nominate yourself. And two, <laughs> once you're nominated, it doesn't mean you're in the game yet. Now you have to prove you have value in what you're doing and that you're not just good at marketing, but you actually have real substance behind your name, your company, your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, when you learned you were nominated, I mean, that feels nice. Somebody cared enough to pay a fee to have you recognized for what you're doing. So anyone who does receive a nomination, they should be very proud that somebody thought they were worthy of that award. To make it to finalist is a huge accolade because, I mean, your application was simple and I'm really glad you appreciated doing it. Uh, Some of the other categories are very detailed. It even takes them sometimes a couple weeks to complete their application Mm. because it's very thorough. So to go through such an intense process and then be considered a finalist in the world. It's not an American contest. Mm. It's not a Canadian contest. This is global. We have nominees from Germany and Croatia and United Kingdom and everything like that. We've been doing a lot of translating on the application. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, so to be a finalist is a huge accolade. And I believe you guys are finalists, are you not? Yes, yeah, 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 Yeah. we did. We made the grade, we made the cut, which is, you know, (laughs) once we saw that, I was like, oh, crap, we're not just nominated because we want to be. It's actually we have to prove it, which thankfully, you know, I thought your vetting process was very good. And I could see why for some of these categories, you'd probably have a very in-depth process to dig in. And podcast, I'm guessing you guys will evolve this as it goes. And next it'll probably be harder to get through that gate. But I think that's good. I think you want to keep raising that bar, make it more difficult, make it hard so that people who do get through. And that way, I think that's encouraging to people out there because I think for us, when we first saw it, we didn't know. And I think, like I told you earlier, I think people assume the worst usually. And that's a bad thing. And I, I kick myself when I do that myself. It is human nature. It's human nature. And I remember seeing, oh, they have to pay a fee. Oh, they're just trying to get money through this thing. And then I went through and I thought about it. I said, no, wait a minute, Paul. What if they didn't charge? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know how many Everyone. people would just be flooded? You'd have Flooding. like 10,000 applications. And it would be anyone and everyone who has a heartbeat would be applying and nominating themselves. And I think that would be very, obviously, overwhelming for you guys. And yes. you probably quit after the first year. <laughs> it's like- well, I think it would actually be impossible because my assistant, Bree, and I actually have to double our man hours for the entire month of February 
just to try to process it. So if it was open to everybody and we received 10,000 nominations, yeah. I wouldn't have to call the whole show off, which yeah. would be terrible. Yeah, and this is just a little bit saying, look, if you're really serious and you really think you have something to offer, okay, or you want to nominate someone, you really believe in them, just, you know, it's not a huge fee, by the way. It's a pretty nominal keeps, fee. I think it keeps people honest, it you does. know, and it, it's also That's just... All it is. It's, yeah. it's 25 Canadian dollars, 20 US dollars. It just makes you think, do I really want to nominate this person? Right. Yeah. Or like maybe, just, yeah. maybe it encourages them to read the definition beforehand. Like, mm-hmm. does this person qualify for this award? Because I have to pay to submit her name or his name. So absolutely, wow. and that I thought that for me was actually quite smart. And I actually think you guys should charge more. <laughs> <laughs> just help you guys off because I, now I understand even more your mission. I think the funds will really help go to something really good. And secondly, yeah. you guys definitely need to make sure you're getting the right people in and save you guys the headache of going through applications where like, oh, what's this in here? This is someone just wanted to, you know, get their best friend in, but they did lashes last weekend and now they think they're amazing. So I, I so. think people understand that quality costs more. And the name and the reputation that you guys are putting out there is that you do call us to the highest level. So a slightly higher charge is kind of like a vote in that right direction. We all know that it costs money to do investigations. To And I know what salon today we pay i think it's 75 dollar fee and there's no nomination process there's more of just a submission process like everyone submits their applications pay 75 dollars and then they like you have all these committees they set up and the committees each one's individual so i think they have 11 categories that they judge every year and each of those categories there's i don't know how many people but there's a group of people and they read all the essays and then they you know over time vet them and get and the final it changes every year yeah. too. and then it changes the committees change and all that so it's not the same people because otherwise they feel like it would become a little bit of like a predictable road. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to mix it up. But then for us, we know we just have to submit that fee and pay that fee. It's part of the process of getting in. And sadly, in this case, a lot of people, in fact, the majority of people don't get through, right? It is like they pay that $75 fee hoping to be nominated, but they don't. And that's okay. Not everyone wins. And that's what makes, I think, these things actually have value is that everyone wins. It will push you if you didn't make it this year, then the fight next year a little harder, learn the standards and do it again. Yeah, we do the same thing with our committee. It changes every year. Uh, We don't reveal who our committee members are. I think that's a good thing, by the way. (laughs) We want them to feel safe to be honest and just give, you know, like I don't want them to feel obliged to lean towards their best friend or their lash bestie Mm. or anything either. So they can answer really honestly. And a lot of people don't realize that I don't pick the winner. Mm -hmm. I actually, I am involved in the process of elimination because I want to make sure that Nala doesn't give an award to somebody that doesn't clean their tweezers, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want, right? So I am part of the initial elimination process, but the committee all decide, they actually vote privately and individually. Mm. So each person for each award, they will put it in order who they think should win and then their runner up in number three. Mm. And that's how they send everybody to me. So although I don't choose the winner, I'm always the only one that knows who they are. Oh, wow. So you collate all the votes, basically. Yeah, so everybody puts them in order of like one, two, and three, so that if there's a tie in the number ones, I see, well, did one of them have extra number twos, kind of number twos to bring in? So yeah, we decide that way who the winner is, and then... Only I know, so I print the winner certificates. I put their names in the little Academy Award envelope. Yay. <laughs> Price Waterhouse. Like my little secret until reveal day. 
It's funny. I, I ran a film festival for a while, and I, we did it the same way. We had all our judges watch the films, and they would submit their numbers and all that, and no one knew in the end who was the winner. Me and this other guy were the only two people, and it was fun. It was actually, like you said, it's like Christmas. You just can't wait to let everyone know, and it's really hard not to talk about it, like, you know, especially if I see someone, because some of them I got to know become friends with some of these filmmakers, and I'd see them somewhere, and they'd come up, and they, you knew that they were just begging, like, please just tell me something. Give me a hint. I'm like, you're not getting anything from me. I'm sorry. You got to wait till Christmas. <laughs> My team members get approached quite often. It's like, can you just tell me? And they're like, I don't even know. Levi won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's guarded That's secret. good. No, it's good. It's the integrity. And it also, I'm sure if, you know, it's going to make it more fun on that day when everyone finds yeah, out. Yeah, it's that. so much more exciting. No one in the room, you know, not the announcers, not the people calling out the names because we like to do it sort of Academy Awards style where when it's time to reveal the winners, we have like a lash celebrity, as we call them, mm-hmm. come up on stage in her gown or his tux and they get to announce who the finalists are and then they get to reveal the winner and give him or her their award. So that's very it's fun. cool. And I guess maybe let's talk about the conference and the award show a little bit because I know people don't realize that it's not just an award ceremony. You have a lot more going on and that's coming up here in May and there's still tickets available. I think when this goes on, it won't be much time and maybe one week before the show itself. There'll be but, a little bit of time but, if you're uh, interested. Yeah, maybe tell people a little bit about the conference and the award show and the whole package of what's going on. Yeah, so it's a two-day educational conference. We have speakers from around the world coming to do their educational topics for everybody. We make sure it's really important to us in the NELA conference that speakers have a full hour. So it's not little 20-minute spiels of them trying to sell you a product on stage. Mm -hmm. They're all contractually obliged to speak education only and not sell you anything. Oh, love it. They're only allowed to teach. And for example, we have Loretta Jacillianite. I'm so sorry, hon, if I said that wrong. (laughs) Coming to teach volume. I mean, she's the queen of volume herself. So she's been given extra time because she'll be doing hands-on training. Uh, we have a couple of visitors coming who are doing hands-on training. So there'll be lashes and tweezers and everything you need on the table. And yeah, you can see all our speakers and topics on the website, nalagala.com. And we're excited. We have such a fantastic lineup of speakers. They've all been very carefully chosen for their integrity and professionalism and their knowledge and they're excited to come and educate everyone. What's and then the evening wraps up with the gala dinner. I was going to ask just for people who are packing to go, what is the weather like in Edmonton at that time? Well, given that it's Edmonton, it could be bikini weather and it could be parka weather. We Okay. Because you guys are pretty far up north, right? You guys aren't right there on the border of Canada and the U.S. You guys are a little further up, right? We are. We're not in igloo territory. We're still we're still in a reasonably hospitable environment. But, you know, actually, I'm glad you brought up the location because we've had a few people make comments because our inaugural event was in Toronto. Okay. And now it's in Edmonton and they're kind of crinkling their nose like, really? Edmonton? <laughs> so let me explain that because we chose Edmonton, which is where Nala is based, because we chose Edmonton for our event... We were able to sell tickets for $600 less per person. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So hopefully that makes Edmonton a little more appealing to our attendees. Yeah. Because in Edmonton, we only have 5% tax. Ontario is 13%. Hmm. Wow. And when you're spending tens of thousands of dollars, that makes adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Toronto also is just a much more expensive municipality than Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So we were able to save a lot of our expenses and we passed that on to our attendees. So. 
That's oh, great. That's great. That's why I mentioned, but I hope it'll be nice. I mean, maybe yeah. we'll reach like 18 degrees Celsius, 20 degrees Celsius. <laughs> As Americans, we have no idea what that is. We're like, huh? Uh, what's that? I only do degrees. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Fahrenheit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it sounds warm or cold. I'm not sure. But that's okay. That's great. I think doing what's best and keeping the price down is obviously going to benefit everyone. And hopefully you guys yeah. get a lot more people coming. I, truth is, most of the time you're at the conference, you're not running around in the city that you're exactly. at. You're there to learn and grow and see the awards and, who and all wants that to stuff. spend more money? We chose the most amazing venue in the city as well. It's the River Cree Resort and Casino, and everything you need is in that building. There's restaurants and bars and a casino and the pool and everything. This hotel is so popular in our city. They sell out every night of the year consistently. Wow. wow. All right. So it's, we did choose a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> And Edmonton's not so bad. It just isn't cool and trendy like Toronto, I guess. Yeah, no, I get it. There's some appeal to going to Toronto, but I think well, not saving yet. $600, I mean, that's huge. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I'm much more interested yeah. in that than, you know, Absolutely. seeing Toronto, to be honest. <laughs> well, let's hope that this award ceremony becomes such a hit and it actually raises the whole image of the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you guys right. can have that kind of yeah. impact. They'll one day look back and say, Edmonton is the new Toronto because of uh, Nala. Yeah, <laughs> So, I mean, we are home to North America's largest mall. So oh. there is Wisconsin Mall, which is a good tourist feature. Wow, I did not know that. I thought that was always up in Wisconsin or something. Or where Minnesota. Is it? Minnesota. Minnesota. Isn't that where the Mall of America is? Mall of America. But see, it's the Mall of America. It's not Mall of the World. <laughs> or oh, Northern North America. North America. North America. <laughs> I think we've actually been in battle back and forth over the decades. Oh, so yeah. when your American mall got bigger, we expanded ours. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like pissing competition going on between malls here awesome that's really that's cool great. yeah well, we're not going down without a fight yeah that's right gotta have something to fight for but that's really cool well i think that pretty much covers everything oh no actually there's one a couple of questions i just wanted to ask you about you and about the industry because yeah. obviously you are looking at the industry as a whole at the big picture all the time and, and you're obviously talking to a lot of people and that we need to hear i think from people like you who are seeing that i mean that's part of my job mm -hmm. here at our last cast is really to be taking the pulse i'm always online i'm always reading i'm always looking i'm always asking questions and interacting with people try to learn about your industry and what's going on and i wanted to hear from you what you think are the two biggest concerns currently in the industry as a whole I, I came up with this because we were asked this actually at our Elevate conference, our training that we had the other day. I thought it was a great question, and it's something that it would be interesting to hear from your perspective, kind of things that you're out concerned there about. concerned about. Like, mm -hmm. this is not a good red direction flags. for our yeah. industry or red flag, yeah. To me, absolutely. I think the top thing that we should all be working to improve is education. Mm -hmm. It really is. Like you said earlier, Paul, it's such a norm when you're interviewing, you ask somebody, how did they feel about their education? And it's disappointing. I wasn't kidding when I said I took a course and came home, started gluing everyone's eyes shut. Yeah. Like, that's what I did. And my teacher praised me saying I was a natural. It's mm -hmm. like I was the best student she'd ever seen. And I came <laughs> home. When you're learning, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. So until I actually started practicing, that's when I realized, oh, I, she didn't tell me what to do for this. And she didn't talk to me about that. And it just, it's a shame because so many of us, you know, and I thought I was great as I was a lash artist. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm killing it. I'm such a good lash artist. And it's through mistakes and through bad experiences that you learn you're not that good as a lash artist. And there is still so much more. So if we could start giving people, you know, a better education right out of the gate, 
empowering them with more information, empowering them with the knowledge to make good decisions for themselves. I, yeah, I really find a lot of the education is disappointing and not all of it. I swear there's people out there who are killing it as educators and they are, you know, who we should all be striving to mimic, but there is an oversaturation of educators and it's just not quality. We process accreditation applications every week here Mm -hmm. and the manuals that come across my desk, they hurt my heart. Some of them are six pages. Mm. Wow. Six pages. And again, I'm not judging this person, this, you know, these people, it happens a lot. Yeah. They thought that was accreditation worthy. That's why they mm. applied. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it's comparable to their course or they yeah. actually improved upon what they learned. Right. Yeah. I do think education is our key issue in the industry. Yeah, I think so. And I see why people would submit that because, like you said, that's exactly what they were given. In fact, they probably took the manual they had, rewrote it a little bit, added another page maybe, and went, the one I got was five pages. I'm adding another whole page. <laughs> and it's, they're not realizing there's a lot more going on and just a couple simple comments about glue and what type of lash curls there are in the world. Mm-hmm. So you had a question to us? Yeah, and no, I just want to dovetail on what Levi said. It was something that we talked about yesterday. You mentioned, you said, one of the things that breaks your heart was that somebody who's taken a class and decided to open their own business, and after things get tough, after they've been in it for a couple of months, they start scrambling because the clients aren't coming in. So what's the first thing that somebody in that situation does? I mean, there's either two things. They can either try to start going into training or they lower their prices. Yeah. So if they lower their prices, you know, it's like we're going in a race to the bottom, right? Yeah. That was... One of the things that stood out to me. Yeah, I definitely would label that as Paul asked me to name two things. I think that would be the second thing is the constant price wars. And it Mm -hmm. is unfortunate. And it also ties into what I'm saying about education. If your trainer could properly prepare you for the fact that you're entering into a client-based industry, you will not be making money right out of the gate. You do need to take anywhere from six months to a year Mm -hmm. to be making a full-time income. And if you're not prepared for that, then you've got to maintain a full-time job in some way. But they're not properly prepared for that most of the time. So they come out of education so excited and ready to go. And then when the clients aren't there, the only thing they know how to do because they don't have a business background and they weren't properly trained on how to build a business and grow clientele, their instinct is to lower their prices. Mm -hmm. What that really does is it diminishes them, it diminishes the industry, and it actually most times makes it more difficult to gain clients. Maybe you'll get one-time clients, but the girls who are coming to your cheap ads Mm -hmm. aren't loyal clients. They're not ideal clients. And I know people talk about ideal clients a lot now, and it's Mm -hmm. becoming so cliche. (laughs) But it's the truth. If you can just be loyal to yourself and hold out and, you know, establish yourself, practice, and just work hard towards offering the value for the price that you want to charge. I find in most people's businesses, it's easier to build clientele when they charge more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as you can back it up. Don't charge more and not provide the full experience for them. Don't charge more and hurt their lashes. But I think you should be focusing on improving yourself to the level that you can charge more. And it's going to be easier to build clientele that way. Because dropping your prices, it hurts you. It hurts your competitors. It hurts the whole community. Absolutely. I think a lot of people's biggest fear is that we're moving towards the nail model. 
Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, we're, we have a video here. I just saw Levi's face when I said that. I was like, ah, the worst thing in the world, the nail salon model. No offense to anyone, nail people out there. We love you. But I think they've gutted their own industry. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see that happening in the last world, too, if we're not really careful at aiming the high, don't go low. And like I said, don't just immediately drop your prices to get clients in. I know. I wish we could all like band together and make a pact and give a little <laughs> pinky swear with each other across the whole globe that we will not let the lash world become the nail world. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. Nails are wonderful. Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves their nails. Everybody has nails. What bothers me about it is that those beautiful, talented nail artists are not earning what they're worth. They're not being yeah. valued to the level they should be valued to. And unfortunately they did that to themselves yeah. with the price wars, mm-hmm. with the constant cutting. And I really, really hope that we don't do that to ourselves. Yeah. And the other thing too that did is they would destroy the whole pay structure. So these people, there's a big expose like three years New ago, York New York times that came out that just showed that there's people that have to pay to get a job in a nail salon. You have to pay the owner. I'll work for you. I'll pay you 300 bucks. They also force some, if they drop a bottle of nail polish, polish they have to pay for that out of their own pocket. Um, they also had things where people are teaching their employees how to go on government assistance so that they can pay them cash under the table wow. and they don't have to have a full income. They can just report a half income and then that way they can get government assistance I mean, the nail world has gone all out because it's all about the lowest price. And we just can't see that happen with the last world. It would be the worst thing ever. Well, thank you for sharing that scenario with us all because maybe that will make everybody more inclined to come and join my big group hug where we band together (laughs) (laughs) and stop ripping ourselves off. Like a lot of people don't understand when you're charging so little for a set of lashes. Like if you really did the business math on that, you may very well be paying to do lashes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Losing money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way because you see all this money coming in and your clients are paying cash and you've got like a lot of cash at the end of the day. But your time is so valuable. Your talent and skill is even more valuable and it costs you money. There is like the cost of goods sold, as Mm -hmm. they call it. You have to spend money to do lashes. You have to buy lashes and adhesive and disinfectant products, hopefully. And No, you have to dedicate a space for that. And space is worth money. You know, that's business real estate. It's, yeah. And what if you grow so much that you bring on a staff member? Yeah. Well, now you can't afford her because your prices won't accommodate that. Your prices should pay you a decent hourly wage. And then if ever you pass your clients on to an employee your prices can afford her because now instead of paying yourself, you pay her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Financial literacy is one of the biggest holes I think in our industry. That's and as you have an accounting background, so obviously you have definitely yeah. a much better understanding of, you probably could actually look at a balance sheet and tell people yes or no, this is good. This is bad. Most people have never even looked at a balance sheet or a cash mm-hmm. flow statement or anything, maybe a PL. Maybe that's about the extent of what mm-hmm. they've seen in their life. And there's a lot more to running a business and looking at a PL and saying, did I have a net profit or not? Cause that's not, going to tell you the whole story in your business but that's it that's another whole episode and i'm realizing we should probably we've been running along here which has been wonderful but we should probably be wrapping this all up thank you levi for coming on it has been a wonderful blessing to hear about kind of your mission your calling and what you're trying to do with nala you are doing some great stuff and i hope a lot of people take a chance to check you out now and go sign up for what you're doing and especially hopefully go to the nala conference at least go online and watch the show and see what it's like and hopefully aim for next year to join it Yeah, that would be great. We still have a few tickets on sale. Uh, Sales end on the 28th. So you have to get your ticket by April 28th. 
But if you're not able to join us, by all means, watch the live stream of the awards ceremony on the NALA YouTube channel. So Awesome. But anyhow, thank you so much for being on our show. And I'm sure we'll have you again on sometime. I would love that. I really appreciate the opportunity. And it was great to talk with you all. And thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. All right. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to our interview with Levi. We were so excited we got her in before Nala this coming weekend. And I think you guys, if you're not already planning to, please go and watch the online awards show. The benefit to you is this. You're going to get to meet and probably see some new lifestyles that you don't know about. And it'll probably be worth following on Instagram and maybe some new trainers or mentors that you may want to follow and learn from online. So there's some good stuff there. Plus, I think you'll just get a better feel for the organization. Go to their website, check it out, and look into their membership. I think there's a lot to be seen there and offered, and I think this company is going to continue to grow and have more benefits for us in the industry. So definitely something to look into. Also, I want to remind you to go to our link in our bio and sign up for Elevate today and just make plans to be at IBS. Even if you can't go to Elevate, come to IBS, come to the booth, hang out with us, Tara, Shelby, Erica, Tusney. It's going to be great. We're going to be hanging out all for three days there, so lots of chances for you to come by, take pictures, maybe jump on a podcast with us or do a Q&A or something like that. So it should be a lot of fun. That wraps up this show. I want to ask you to please follow our Instagram at Integrity Lash and at Lashcast Podcast. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, you can DM us at Lashcast Podcast. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my Lash experts, Erica and Tusney, as well as our special guest, Levi, I want to thank you for taking some time out to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.